Come on, come on. Trust me, daddy. <laughs> Big man thing, yeah? It's not looking good. Big man thing, yeah? It's not looking good, bruv. <laughs> <laughs> it's not looking good. Hey, big man thing, yeah? You're looking good still. You get me? Welcome back. Welcome back, My Bully Podcast. A podcast. You hear how I stutter. I still don't know how to say it without like the cringe in me, but let me let me try it again. A podcast focused on beating the hell out of your negative voice. You better say it with your chest any time out. But thank you so much for being back again with me. I didn't say my name. No one told you I say I did say my name. Hi. Thank you for being back. Let's get into this episode. Quick shout out, Mr. Random. He had a whole bunch of M's on that thing, and I ain't talking about the millions. Oh, shut up. Um, he says, great pod, exclamation. He says, love listening to this story and seeing Trey accomplish his dreams and continue to go crazy. I knew he was special growing up. Always had that dog in him. Stay thirsty, stay grounded, keep up the faith. Hashtag link up greatness. He says five stars and he says, Trey Palmer. I'm guessing he likes Trey Palmer. And I like Trey Palmer too. And I'm thankful that you do too. Anyways, thank you for leaving a review. Thank you for listening to that podcast. Thank you for listening to me and all of you who have listened to this podcast and has gained some light knowledge and some love from this podcast. I'm very appreciative. Let's get into Let's get into a, a rap real fast. Yeah, I'm that boy from the city. F-A-R-T-M-A-E. Wait. Let's pause right quick. F-A-R-T-M-A-E. That's not a word. Shut your stupid ass up. Let's go. This week's episode, this week's guest, I'm so privileged, honored. I'm so excited to have a day one. It's so seldom that you have someone that you've known for 13 plus years join you on this podcast on this day with the same vibrant soul, the same genuine heart, the same bold spirit. That they did back then. Miss Aaliyah Autry. From her background in sales. First in retail. Then the corporate. Then to becoming a fashion model. Aaliyah joins the show to share that story. And her journey in becoming comfortable. In her own skin. Aaliyah is not only a fashion model. She's a role model. She's got this admirable stain of confidence. That's honestly so contagious. And I want to know just where the hell that comes from. I hope you enjoy this one. I don't want to preview it, but you're literally just smiling at me right now. Like we can Does talk. That make you nervous? See, are you nervous? I'm not. I, I said that I'm. I said that See, I'm nervous. I'm not nervous. Why? I'm ready. Let's get it crack a lacking. Well, I like this. This is where you thrive. Yeah. Since you thrive, how I used to least start these episodes, I kind of go quiet in my like chill voice, and then I say, "Oh." Welcome, 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 Miss Aaliyah Autry, Mindbully Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome. How's it going? I'm blessed, and I'm blessed, and I'm even better. I'm sitting here in your living room, you know, and it's taken like 20 minutes times two (laughs) for me to set all this up, but I'm glad that I'm sitting here with you. I think for you to be on this podcast, it's... It's a special moment for me because I grew up with you, one. And two, you're one of these people that has such a significant presence whenever they walk in a room, a caregiver, somebody with just life and love that just walks in and you just, ah, that's Aaliyah. And anybody that knows Aaliyah knows that there's only one Aaliyah. She's <laughs> unapologetically herself. So thank you again for being Aww, on the podcast. You got me smiling over here. No, seriously. I think for you, you have this innate talent to just make anyone you meet feel significant, feel love, feel care for. Like that's a talent and it's genuine. A lot of people do it and they want something out of people. Like yeah. you genuinely do that for anyone that you meet. Where does that come from off the bat? Well, if I'm being like honest, like 
it really kind of starts from like as a child, I moved around a lot and I was the new person in a lot of situations. Also, I mean, you guys can't see me on the podcast, but I'm really freaking tall. So like as a tall, I'm like 5'11", like six feet, six three, if you want me to be like, you know, (laughs) so I just feel like as a shy person, I'm going to kind of like, I'm going to come back, like make sure this makes all sense. But I feel like just being tall in general, like, you're born, you, you're born how you're born, right? So you're born tall. You have no say so of how you're born. And as a tall person, you naturally attract attention, right? Right. right. Regardless if it's good or bad. So it's like, it's kind of hard to be shy and in your shell because you're already the, the center of attention in like a room full of people because you're averagely not the same height as everybody. But- how do you make other people feel significant? You know, so I'm trying to thank you for making me get on track because I will talk about <laughs> go ahead, go pizza, ahead. sushi, hey, about, not even answer like the question. <laughs> okay. So in general, growing up as a kid, I was always the tall person, the new person in every situation and not every situation was welcoming. I felt in certain situations I was bullied or I felt like I was like out of place, out of character. Like I grew up in, uh, can you say like black, white? Can you say that? Okay. Of course. I grew up on a lot of white people as a kid. And I felt like in certain situations, I was always the only black girl. So naturally growing up, I never really realized that until now, but I felt like in, in situations growing up, I felt uncomfortable. So as I got older and more secure with myself, personality, and just getting mature, I always felt like, okay, when I'm ever in a moment, in a situation where I'm meeting somebody new where I'm in a different situation. Like I always try to make it a point to make people feel comfortable because I felt so uncomfortable at all times growing up in those situations that I felt like if I can control situations, the narratives, no matter where I'm at, who I'm meeting or where I'm around, like if I can make people feel comfortable, then I've done something that I felt like somebody should have been able to do for me as a kid. One, that was, I mean, that's beautiful. And two, even me being here, that gave me a, I can feel comfortable like, <laughs> and, and get into the episode and your story. And anybody listening, I think it's powerful to know that on one hand, you can have this presence that lights up a room, but she cares about every single person, the overlooked person in that same room. I think that's beautiful. I do typically start these episodes with the formative years, with your childhood years, because okay. I think they're really instrumental on who you became to be. If you were to take me back, Fort Worth, Texas. <laughs> Funky town. Back to who you were, Dallas Park. Okay. Who? What was that girl like? Like, what grade are we talking? Like, second, third, fourth? Because I have a really scarce memory, right? Any, any so, grade you want to take it. Just um, who you were, how you felt, what you saw, that girl. Okay, so as a child, I felt like... A lot of things, like as I've already touched on, I've I've been literally the same height since eighth grade, right? So in fifth grade, I was probably like five six, taller than all my teachers, taller than everybody. So like naturally, I felt like okay, you have to own who you are, right? But I also grew up in a sports family. Like my dad wasn't around like so often, like physically, but I sh- I split my time between him and my mom. And he's a, he was a basketball player. So like naturally I felt like people looked at me and they were like, Oh, she's tall. She's going to be athletic. Her dad's a basketball player. Like I felt like I was always trying to like get approval from my parents. And then if I heard outsiders and I felt like they were important people, I was like, okay, I need to do something to get approval for them too. Right. So I, I just went through different phases of like trying to figure out what I liked, but I felt like in the moment as a child, you're like, okay, I tried soccer, hated it. Basketball, hated it. I was a dancer, hated it. Choir, hated it. Artist, horrible, can't draw anything, right? But I felt like all those moments as a child really like shaped me to be interested in all the things that I'm interested in now. You said a lot right there, and I think that's powerful. I I think anybody, if they were behind the eyes of Miss Aaliyah Autry back Dallas Park, you know, and you have you you talked about, you know, being in between your family, your mom and your dad and, and your dad played sports and your mom kind of that switch. And you try different sports out. What was the mindset to even do that? Because a lot of people, you know, oddly tall at that age, quote unquote, you know, you're being made fun of at that time. They would just go the opposite route and start self-harm and those type of things. What gave you the kind of unction and the the drive to just try different things out. 
It was a combination between my mom being like, you have no, f- <laughs> you don't have a choice. <laughs> He's like, uh, period, you don't have a choice. Yeah. And then the other part of it was, I like people. So those opportunities gave me like chances to meet people and be around people. And like, I've met so many people through just different stages of my life that I felt like if I hadn't taken that chance to do those things, like, then those would like those relationships would have never been developed. I wouldn't have been interested in the things that I was in. Like I felt like those really shaped me, like just being around art and music and dance and then sports and traveling a lot. Like I feel like that opened up my eyes and I always just felt like I was very different, but different aspects of my life allowed me to really to relate to a lot of different people. If you were to walk me through a time or a certain situation where you were made fun of and, you know, kind of the initial emotions at, at that time and the steps that you're speaking of that got you out of that thought. If you could take me to that time, what was that actually feeling like when it happened in the classroom, on the court, walking home from school, when it happened? How did Aaliyah feel? OK, so I grew up going to a fine arts school, like fourth grade through seventh grade. So like my first time going to like an actual public school was eighth grade. And we know how eighth graders are, right? In eighth grade, we still think we're cool. We think we're grown, but we're actually really freaking stupid, right? (laughs) Everybody wants to be the center of attention. Everybody wants to be cool. So I was begging my mom, mom, please, I want to go to a regular school. Like I went to a fine arts school and like, I love the arts, but I'm like, okay, I'm trying to go to a football game. I'm trying to go to a (laughs) basketball game. I'm trying to like be around guys that actually like me, yeah. you know, like I love my fine arts people, like no, no harm to them. But I was like, okay, I, I want to, I'm over here watching proud family. I'm like, I want to go to a proud family. Like, yeah, that's yeah, so raven, you know, yeah. I want to have that type of experience. And so my mom was like, only if you play sports. So I was like, okay, I'll go, I'll play sports. And she's like, I don't know what you want to do, but you're going to have to play some type of sport. She's like, if I take you out of this environment, you have to, you have to do something else. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll play sports. So eighth grade, naturally, everybody plays every single sport, right? Because right. you think you're just LeBron James. <laughs> Everyone thinks they're great. So yeah. I'm like, all right, I'm playing basketball because I'm tall. You know, why not? I hated it. But the coach is like, yeah, we got a good one. And I'm in my head. I'm like, girl, <laughs> I'm not going to be hustling and bustling up and down this court with these girls. Like, I'm going to do it because my mom said I had to, but I hate it here. I hate it here. Okay, so eighth grade was my first, like, you know, time going to, like, a public school. And I went to mid- elementary school with a couple of people that I went to this high- this middle school with. But that was when we were in, like, second grade. So I'm like, these people probably don't even freaking remember me. Who were those people? So Rod, I went to elementary school with him. Jordan, uh, Reagan. That was a couple other people. But, like, those are the only three people that I kind of, like, remembered um, but I was like, they're not going to remember me. So like the first day of school, I'm like, mom, I don't want to go. So wait, you went to early on elementary with them early on. Yeah. Like then you went to the private school for four years and, and then you came seen back them. and then I was like, I'm bad. They said no leave. Hey, you Hello, back then they did well. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, oh my God, these people do not know me. Like, I know they didn't remember me, but I remembered some of them. So I'm hoping, actually, I'm not even hoping. I'm just thinking like, it's not going to be that bad, right? I'm like, ooh, I get to go to a school, meet new people. I'm excited, right? So first day of school, I'm like, mom, I want to ride the bus. Like everybody's riding the bus. Like I'm trying to get on the bus. And she's like, and I've never ridden the school bus before. Eighth grade was the first time I rode the school bus. Really? Yes. Like my mom made it a point to take me to school every day or I lived close to the school. So I would walk. Rarely. My mom was like one of those moms that would like stalk me. Like she would be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can walk to school. And I'd leave. And 10 minutes later, she'd get in her car and drive around the corner (laughs) and watch me walk across the street. So eighth grade was my first time riding the bus. I was like, I'm grown. Like I don't have to wear like uniforms per se, because at the fine arts school, we had like plaid, like, like stockings, like straight up like uniform. So but this was the first year I think Crowley ISD made us do like standardized dress. Yeah. So I'm like, bet we about to go to Abercrombie. I'm about to get me <laughs> some little tight pants. I'm about to be cute. So I'm excited, but I'm nervous because I'm like, I literally know nobody. So I get there. Everybody's like lined up in the freaking bleachers, like an assembly line. And it's so many kids. <laughs> 
I literally went to a school where there was maybe 200 kids K through 12. Right. And I go to this element, I go to this middle school where there's probably 500 kids. Yeah. And I'm just so overwhelmed. And the kids are doing shit I've never seen before. <laughs> what were they doing? Like cursing and dance. It was just outlandish. I was like, wait, where am I? But I'm like, okay, like this is kind of cool. So I'm sitting in the bleachers by myself. I don't know anybody. And the only person that I know is Rod and he sees me and he comes over to me and he's like saying hi, like trying to introduce me to people, but he knows all guys, right? So I literally naturally met all the guys when I first went to this elementary, well, this, this uh, middle school. So obviously we have no, none of the same classes, but I remember like the first or second week, everybody's introducing themselves to, you know, you have like study hall, right? So you're in study hall and you're, you meet the people that you're in. It's like through alphabetical order. And I'm sitting by myself still, cause I don't know anybody and people are staring at me cause I'm so tall. Right. And I'm like, I don't know if they're staring at me because they want to be my friend or they're staring at me like, who is this girl? And so I'm kind of shy. Like I've never been shy, but I'm shy because I'm overwhelmed. I'm like, I'm around all these people that don't know me. And I remember going to class and like speaking and talking to people. And I just remember that one moment. I don't even remember one of his, one of the dude's names, but they were just ridiculous. And I remember I was talking, the teacher asked a question. I answered the question or whatever. And I can't remember who it was, but one of the dudes was like, shut up. You sound like a white girl. And I was like, huh? Like what? And I just remember being like, excuse me. And they were like, you heard me. And I was just kind of like, didn't say anything, kind of like taken back. So then I'm already like, okay, these people are like mean, like they're making fun of the way I speak. Like what? Like I, I didn't come from that. Like I went to a fine art school where like everybody loved on everybody. So in that moment, I'm embarrassed. Cause like, I'm literally getting called out in front of this like classroom for the people I don't know they're talking about me. Right. So I kind of just like let it go or whatever. Then I'm walking down the hallways and like all, you know, in eighth grade, everybody's short. Like none of the guys have reached their height yet. There may be a couple that are tall, but everybody's short. So they're like, damn, she tall. Like the five four. Like I'm like, Oh my God. I hate it here. I'm yeah. never coming back. And I remember in the moment, like I never showed that I was upset because I was also like, I'm not about to let these kids like see that they're making me upset. But like, I went home that first day of school and I was like, mom, I'm never going back there. And she's like, why? I'm like, the kids were so mean. They were making fun of me, saying I sound like a white girl, like calling me so tall, like just being so mean. And she was just like, no, like, don't worry about it. Like, it is what it is. Like, let me know if it gets to a point where it's that bad. Cause I will come. My mom's like, she, my mom thinks she can fight everybody. She's like, I'm going to come up there and I will go off on those teachers, those kids, like all of them. And I'm like, that's embarrassing. You're the new girl. You're going to have your mom come up there. Like, no. So the next days, when you go through all that and you experience like, wait, like they're coming at me with this energy I've never had before. And you, you see, and you, you've never known and you never had a thought in yourself to be insecure about your height and be insecure about how you talk. So the next days, how was that for you? Like, did you see yourself having a player position or act like somebody else that you weren't? Like, walk me through the next days. Yeah. So the next days, I kind of just became very defensive because I felt like, okay, after a couple of weeks of them saying this stuff to me and like me not saying anything, after a while, they felt like they could just do it, right? Like, yeah. as soon as you don't, if you don't say anything, they think it's okay, right? And they think, oh, she just gonna let me walk all over her. And, like, literally, I did not say curse words or anything until I got to this school around these kids. Like, I did, I, I literally thought growing up, oh, my God, if I say a curse word, God is gonna strike me with, like, strike me with <laughs> Fact, lightning. I'm the same I way. am gonna get struck by lightning, <laughs> yeah. and, no, and it's gonna be bad. Like, I did not say curse words. Like, I just didn't. And so... I just remember this is I don't remember what class or what day, but one of the dudes said I said something. He was like, man, shut your bitch ass up. And I said, huh? Shut my bitch ass up. I said, you shut your bitch ass up. <laughs> and at the moment, I was like, oh, yeah, who is, who is this? But I was like, but they looked at me like, they oh, OK. You. How did you get out of that, though? Like in between of 
the holier than thou, Leah, and then shut your bitch ass up. Because you have to put, you have to defend yourself in certain points. Like you have to let these people know, like, okay, like you're not about to just walk all over me. And just because I grew up different or we come from different backgrounds, you can't diminish me. Like, who are you to tell me that I sound a certain way, or who are you to tell me to shut up, right? Yeah. And I think after a while, like of me defending myself. And making like I just felt like for me, like I fight dirty, though, like when people come for me, I fight dirty, like I'm going to make you feel like the biggest idiot. Yeah, ever. Yeah. So after a while, I was like, you want me to shut up and you want me to do X, Y and Z. But you're a literal idiot. Do you hear the things that come out of your mouth? Right. You're embarrassing. Yeah. You probably can never read a book. You'll never be anything in life. Like yeah. I was fighting dirty because I'm like, I want you to see how you sound. You think it's cool to interrupt the teacher while she's trying to teach us. You think it's cool to curse somebody out when all they're trying to do is learn like that's not cool like if you don't want to learn then you can stay at home right like and so I got to a point where it's like I'm going to defend myself and I'm also going to defend everybody else in this classroom that is maybe afraid to say something yeah and here's where I insert myself into this story because it's it's crazy that you say that and me obviously growing up with you in in that high school um, first impressions are a big thing and I think some of that played a part. Like you just said that you had a defense mechanism, like you had to defend yourself, but you know, like you're still this girl that cares about the small, the overlooked person in that room because you felt that way. Yeah. You know, first impressions are everything. And for me, even seeing you in the school, you're this confident person that knows who they are. This like beautiful girl. She's tall. Like she, like she knows a lot of us, like I say, it's, impressionable years, eight through 18, you're kind of finding yourself. Yeah. How you came off, you're like, Aaliyah, she knows who she is. (laughs) So on one hand, it's like, damn, she confident. Like she's, she's independent. She's strong. But on the other hand, like first impressions could be like, she thinks she's too good. Yeah. Like she thinks she's better than anybody else. Yeah. Could you take me to some moments that you experienced kind of you're coming like yourself, mm-hmm. but you sense that everybody else feels like, oh, she thinks she's too good. How did you kind of walk and and work through that without dwindling the light that Aaliyah is? Right. Uh, if I'm going to be honest, I don't really give a fuck what people think. Yeah. Like, I think it's great if I make you nervous because I'm challenging you. Or I make you feel like you want to be a better person because you think I'm some way. So I'm elevating you by just sitting here, making you feel like you need to meet me where I am. Even in high school. Yeah. I don't care. Like, you sound stupid when you're around me. Good. Next time we speak, listen to how you sound. Yeah. Listen to what you're saying. Think about what your next things are going to be, the things you do, the things you're interested in. Like, level yourself up. I want to feel like I'm empowering you without you even knowing it. And if you feel like you're not, then... We great. That is, we don't need to talk. I think that's a rare trait. And I think the even the way you're speaking, the real charge, the battery behind your back is powered from your mom and your kind of tied relationship. I guess when you have those days where, like you said, even up to now, like you're going through real mental battles and your real times of, you know, you're not this confident, you're not this person that you are normally. What is it that she charges you with that kind of snaps you back to Aaliyah? Like my mom? Yeah. Um, I think also growing up, she's always instilled a lot of love, like a lot of love, like has always been super, super supportive. If I was like, I want to be a mailman. She's like, you be the best mailman you can be. Like my mom was never like, no, you shouldn't do that. Like if she felt like it was something that I wanted to do. And as long as I gave my all, she was going to support me. But I also feel like I don't really know what her childhood was like, but I think as a child, she never felt a lot of love from her mom. Mm. So she always made it a point to feel that void with making sure we felt loved, making sure that we knew that she loved us. So, and always just instilling a lot of confidence in us. Like, I don't know if that just came from her not having that, but I think a lot of it does, but she's always just made me feel very confident and supported. And no matter any situation or where she's always going to have my back. And did, that did felt that, great. Did that ever bear on you though? Cause I remember even speaking to you about childhood and, having to walk your siblings or people to school before you went to school yeah. and kind of growing up fast. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Do you ever look back and was like, damn, what if I could ever just be a kid, like be myself? Do you ever think about that, Aaliyah, that side? Yeah. I mean, I think I definitely had to grow up fast. Um, 
and be a, very independent. But I also think it's really shaped me as a person now. Like, I feel like a lot of kids, like my my cousins, they didn't have that. Their parents were there every day. Their parents really kind of held their hand through a lot of things. And there are a lot of moments that I surpassed them in. Like they didn't drive till they were like 18, 19. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't get their first job until they were out of college. You know, like they, so like they lacked a lot of responsibility and independence that I had from the age of like fifth grade. Yeah. And I think like, yeah, I could think about like, what if I had this? What if I had that? But like, it's not a bad thing to be an independent person. It's not bad to be responsible because I think it's also kept me out of a lot of shit that I feel like people get into at those impressionable ages. Very true. Very true. I was doing things that, you know, somebody that was 10 years older than me was doing, but it's also like, okay, what's the alternative? Like, I was waking up, taking my siblings to school. Like my mom was a flight attendant. So she was out of the country and I was setting my alarm at six and making breakfast for my siblings and doing my sister's hair. I drove at 15. I had my permit at 15. I was taking my sisters to school. I was, yeah, I was making dinner. Like I was doing things at a young age. And but the pressure in that you're still, you're 15. Yeah. You're literally 15, a yeah. different school and you're, you're learning yourself, but you're taking care of everybody else. The pressure in that and you're just like, what what were those times like? She's not at home. So you're calling her, mom, this happened, this happened. But you still got to make it done and get it done for your family. And yeah. I think I never thought twice about it because my mom's my best friend. And as long as I can make it easy for her, I'm going to do it. Like I, it was never, it was never a chore because it's like, who else is going to do it? Like, you know, I just felt like if I could help my mom out, I'm going to do it. I think, oh, that's... Aaliyah, honestly, and I'm I I do like in my other episodes, it can sound like I'm doing a lot of kiss ass, but that's who I am. And for this one, it's <laughs> it's honestly like it's real. Like that's rare. I'm like to be so connected with who the hell you are. Yeah. Not squandering who the hell you are, but actually care about people. Yeah. Like this is why I gotta do this. Like my mom take something off her plate, like make it easier for my family. It all comes back to the foundation of service and family for you. Yeah. I think that's just the best thing ever. Even fast forwarding, right? A girl from Fort Worth, Texas moves 1,500 miles plus Syracuse, New York. Walk me through that journey. That was honestly one of the biggest decisions that I had to make. And I was actually scared because my mom didn't want me to go. And as we've been really? talking, yeah, as we've been talking, like, you know, my mom is my best friend, my biggest supporter, my right hand. Like I literally do things that make her happy. I always feel like anytime I make a decision, I always think like, if how's my mom going to feel about this? Right. But my first year, I don't know if people know, but I went to Tarleton. Um, really? I yeah, didn't know that. First year I went to Tarleton um, with EJ. Um, first year I went to Tarleton. It was like an hour away from home. It was comfortable, right? I was like, oh, I think I'm gonna be a teacher. Like, I love the kids, yada, yada, yada. They had a great education program. It was close. I didn't apply to many colleges like out of high school because I was like, I'm gonna stay here. Like, I'm gonna go to Tarleton, be, you know, education. Who knows, right? And my mom was like, great. Tarleton's an hour away. You can do that. I can come see you. You can come home, right? right. I like that. So I'm like, okay. I go, I'm excited because I'm like, it's college, right? I'm moving out. I'm going, you know, the whole freshman experience. And I had these really, really, really great roommates at the time. I'm I'm not close with them, but like, I feel like if I were to call them, they'd pick up the phone. I was invited actually to one of their weddings. So um, great Christian girls from Arlington and East, West Texas. I don't know where that girl is from, but Texas, right? Yeah. And I go there, great roommates, but I'm there and I'm like, I hate it here. Like I have one, it's probably maybe like no black people on campus again, you know, but I thrive in situations like that. Cause I, I just don't see color. Right. That actually at Tarleton was the first time I felt like a minority because one of the guys there asked me, how does it feel to be a minority? And I had never been asked that in my entire life. Yeah. And I never really thought about it like that. And I kind of was just like, wait, should I go off on him or should I answer this question? Yeah, to its entirety? Yeah, yeah. So wait, so how did that feel though? Like, did you act in the, kind of way after that when he asked you that question 
No, because he grew to love me. I think he was obsessed with me. Like, I think he actually liked me. And like, he was kind of like, don't you see that as like a fetish? Like, oh, she's the token black girl that, oh. No, because I felt like I was probably the first black person yet black girl that he felt like he had a connection with. Like, I think he grew up in such, you know, Texas, they're bumfuck towns of 2000 people of Literally KKK. You know what I mean? Like people are racist still. And so I think uh, like Tarleton is a really country school. It's in Stephenville. I don't, I I don't know if you guys know what that is, but it's country. Mm -hmm. And, um, he was from a really small country town. And I think that was the first interaction where he was like, wow, I actually like this girl and she's black. And it wasn't like, oh, I like her because I think she's something I've never seen before. But I think because of all the experiences that that I've had as a child and growing up and all the different people that I feel like I can connect with, like he was able to connect with me. And I think he was taken back because I don't feel like he's even went to school with black people. Yeah. So I think that was the first time he was like, wow, like she's a human. Yeah. When you said, do you, I don't know whether to go off on him, but you kind of held back because you're realizing that like, okay, I know where I'm at, Stephenville. Yeah. Probably none of them never seen something like me. You know, the ability to have grace for somebody in that moment, I think is great. And, and a lot of people listening even need to garner that kind of trait because you easily could have, yeah. Like, yeah. but you, you toned it down to a level and you're able to leave an impact on him to, you know, meet the next black person yeah. and to meet somebody else that doesn't look like him. I think even moments like that, a lot of people can gloss over that. But the the point that you just made there, I think is so key. But moving on from that place of being close to home, your mom wants you to be there to New York. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going through this school. I hate it. I have no friends. EJ's my only friend, right? Again, all boys, right? So he's like, let's go to this party. I'm pulling up with the whole football team. What does that look like? So automatically, the girls that were there that were black looking at me crazy. They're like, who is this girl? And I'm like, y'all don't want to be my friend? Like, no, (laughs) they did not want to be my friend. I had no friends besides my two roommates. I didn't go out. I didn't drink. I didn't party. We literally went to Bible study every Wednesday and I would go home every single weekend. And I was sitting there in that moment, like, this is not how college is supposed to be. This is not what I sacrificed, making sure I got good grades in high school, making sure I did the right things, taking SAT prep, like ACT prep. Like, this is not how this is supposed to be. I knew that there was more for me and I felt like I was being safe, being close to home. And that was the first year my, I had spent Christmas with my dad. Can you believe that? I was like 19 years old, never spent Christmas with him. He's in Syracuse. I think his second or first year as a coach. And he's like, come up for Christmas. I really want to spend time with all my kids together. And I'm like, okay, I have Christmas break. So my mom's like, you're going to go to Syracuse for Christmas. I'm like, yeah. So I go a couple days early and they're, their um, their school hadn't gotten out yet. So I made it in time for a, for a basketball game. And I go for the first time and I walk into this stadium, the Carrier Dome. I don't know if you guys know basketball, but the Carrier Dome is legendary yeah. in, in college sports, right. especially basketball. And I'm at this campus where my dad went to school. Everybody knows my dad. Everybody knows my family. And this is my first time going and I step on campus and I'm like in shock, like growing up, you're watching like all these movies and colleges. Right. And you see this per like perception of how college is on TV. That's how it was. Yeah. I walk there and I'm like, oh, my God, yeah. look at all these people. And I'm at a basketball game. So they're going nuts. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. Everyone's going crazy. Everyone's wearing orange like I was just like the feeling the excitement just overwhelmed with joy and I'm like yeah I want to be here and so I was just so overwhelmed with joy and I called my mom what was that like yeah take me to that time so I called my mom and I was like mom she's like hey sweetie did you have a good time at the game I'm like mom it was so fun like I want to go here and she's like what do you mean you want to go here I'm like I want to transfer and she's like what I'm like, yeah. And she's like, oh, okay. So you want, and my brother was living with my dad at the time too. And so my mom said, oh, okay. So I raised you and now you want to go live with him. And I'm like, mom, like it has nothing to do with him. I was like, it's a better opportunity for me school-wise. 
I feel like I want to get out of my comfort zone and I, I want to establish a better relationship with my dad. Like I'm like, it's a win-win. And she's like, Oh, okay. So you want to go up there, stay up there. And she hung up in my face and I was supposed to go back home for, um, new year's. I had plans in Fort Worth to come home, turn up. I'm like, She's like, stay there. And I'm calling her back to back to back. And she is not picking up the phone. She's pissed. She's mad that I want to stay up there because she's essentially thinking I want to go up there and be with my dad. And right. I'm leaving her, yeah. her comfort zone, her comfort, her comfort blanket. Right. She knows I'm an hour away. She feels like I'm safe. She can get to me if she needs to. Like, she's upset because I want to leave. She's not thinking about the opportunities and she's not thinking about me in that moment. And so I go downstairs and I'm crying because my mom's my best friend. So I'm like, she doesn't approve of this decision situation or this decision. Maybe I shouldn't go. Right. But Aaliyah being Aaliyah, like I'm a very strong willed person. I'm like, I don't care. I'm still going. So my dad's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, my mom's upset. And my dad's like, no, she's just sad. She doesn't want you to leave. And he's talking me through how she's thinking. She doesn't want you to leave. You're her best friend. She's close to you. You're leaving. You're going to be far. Like, she's just upset about that. But she'll come around. But I'm thinking, she ain't picking up the phone. I'm trying to go home. Like, she needs to book my flight. Like, and she's not picking up the phone. The day before New Year, she called me and she's like, I'm sorry. You're right. This is a better opportunity for you. You need to go. And, you know, it gave me some sense of, like, you know, happiness. And I felt like, you know secure with my decision, but I was going regardless. Yeah. And I think it teaches you about even decision making. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like that's not speaking for you, but that's probably like your first decision that you made like solely on you, like no outside, not my mom, not my dad, like you made for you. Yeah. And I think, you know, fast forwarding and moving on, I think even in college, you're searching for something. And one thing that you did say just there is like you're searching for that relationship to build that with your father. If I was going to go on a search and go to college, if everybody's looking for who they are, what they like, the different things that they are into, you're looking for that connection with your dad. Did you get that answer? I think for the most part, yeah. But like dads are complicated. Men are complicated. Women are complicated. You know, it's a complicated situation and trying to form a relationship with your parent when essentially you're already 19 years old, right? You've gone through 19 years of life without him really being a part of those decision, like, you know, factors of your life and then the impressionable ages really being a caregiver or a disciplinarian. Right. Yeah. And you're still young, but you also like, I'm grown. Like he ain't going to tell me what to Wait, do. Wait, did you feel him trying to like fast forward and be like the dad? Yeah. Like- we like, I feel like in college, this is so funny. Like I didn't really date in high school. I didn't really deal with boys. Like I think I kissed boys. my first boy in like ninth grade. Right. Yeah. And I just never was really like, I don't know, like my mom was a teenage mom, right? So she was always super like, you don't need to be doing it. Like she was so hard on me when it came to that whole scenario. So I was like, bam, I'm staying away. Like, yeah, she knew what it you felt know? like. So yeah. I just never really messed around with like, I didn't dad. Like for, I went to prom by myself. Like, yeah, I was, I was just not. And so College was the first time I had really like dated and it's awkward because you're dating and then you're with your dad, right? You're not even with your mom. And of course me, I'm tall. So I'm going to attract all the tall boys on the yard. Right. My dad's the basketball coach. So I'm like, (laughs) Oh oh my God. I worked in the basketball office too. Right. So of course, first guy that I date is a basketball player. And my dad doesn't know for so long because I'm scared to tell him, And I'm also kind of like, this isn't going to look right. Like, you know, Right. so he eventually ends up finding out. And this is like the first time where I felt like he was trying to discipline me, but I'm like, boy, I'm grown. You're not about (laughs) to tell me what to do. Right. But he's like, in a sense, a, this is my job and B you're my daughter. And I think that was the first time in his moment where he felt like, damn, I have a daughter who's dealing with guys like, dickhead guys that I was when I was their age. Yeah, yeah. Like I was that dickheaded, you know, and she's dealing with them like, oh God, like what have I done? Like right. I think my dad's just going through all these millions of emotions that he's never felt before. Mm. And me too, because I'm like, this is the first guy I've ever like been with emotionally. I'm like, 
this is my first relationship. And so it's awkward because it's like, it's with a dude that my dad knows on the court and off the court. And it's me. Yeah. And I remember it was this one time I was being a little fast ass and I was like going to pick the dude up from the hotel. Right. And my dad let me and my brother, cause me and my brother went to college together. We shared a car and it wasn't just like a normal, like, you know, like white Toyota. Right. Yeah. My dad gave us his like old gold Escalade. Yeah. So I'm driving a fucking Escalade. <laughs> so anybody that sees that car knows it's either me or my brother. Right. And so I'm trying to be sneaky. Cause he's like, come pick me up. I don't want to stay here. I'm like, on the way. <laughs> <laughs> so I get in the car and I'm thinking like every night they have meetings with, you know, like your coaches right. before they leave. And so my dad's there for one of the meetings and he's like, I think they just left. Like dude, old dude's like, I think they left. Come get me. And I'm like, bet, period. I'm away. I get in the car. Vroom, 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 vroom. I pull up and my dad is in the parking lot. <laughs> 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 and I'm like, fuck. Yeah. I'm shitting in my boots. I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. I don't know what to do. And I didn't want to tell him because he thinks the whole time that we're dating, my dad doesn't know. And I'm thinking that he don't know either. And I'm, I, I really felt like he did, but he had never said anything to me about it. Yeah. So I'm texting him like, don't come outside yet. Like my dad's here. He's like, what? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, go leave. I'm like, no, I ain't leaving. I'm here. Like come through the back. So he comes to the back. We leave, we go back to the house, go to sleep, da 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 da. And the next day, I call my dad, like, do you get my tickets for the game? And my dad's like, yeah, but we need to talk. I'm like, talk about what? And he's like, gets quiet on the phone. And I'm like, hello? He's like, crying. And I'm like, and I've never, ever, ever, ever heard my dad or seen my dad cry. Yeah. And I'm like, What's wrong? He's like, Aaliyah, I know you're grown and I know it is like my dad's not good with his words. He's like, I know it's it is whatever. Yeah. But I'm going to ask you this. Do not ever come up to that hotel ever again. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm getting defensive. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, I don't I'm not going to argue with you. And he's just gets quiet, starts crying again. I'm like, so then I start crying because I've never heard my dad cry. Yeah. So then I feel like a bad kid. And in that moment, I felt like a kid yeah. because I've never been in a situation where my dad has expressed so much emotion to me. As a child, I'd never experienced that. So I'm experiencing that at 19, right? And actually, I was 20 at the time. I was 20. 20 or 21. I can't remember. I think, oh, I was 21. I was 21. And I'm experiencing my dad's emotions involving a guy, me, his job, like all the things. And I think in the moment, he's just like, all I'm asking you to do is respect my job and also be careful. Like that, I think those tears were coming from a dad. Yeah. And it's like you, you grew up and you had to kind of, you know, grow up fast. Yeah. And then fast forward, you're in this, you know, childlike experience again, where it's like my dad expressing emotions. I've never had this moment before. I've never been in this place exactly ever felt like this ever before. And kind of that search that I was talking about earlier, you're finding yourself through those college years and finding, you know, yourself within your family, you know, your mom, how she felt about your move and your dad, how he sees you actually growing up and building relationships. So, I feel like all of you guys were finding out the new Aaliyah, mm-hmm. like how to handle, how to deal, how to, you know, live with this person. I think the thing about finding yourself in college, there's different versions of yourself. So yeah. you have the family piece that we can check off that obviously every family's rocky. We have our things, but, you know, check off. You how had and built a relationship with your father. Fast forwarding to the fitness, the fitness and fashion piece. Yeah. Where did that journey kind of start where you have an eye for fitness and fashion, whether it's holding leadership positions at a soul cycle, a cycle bar, and and you're a model kind of intertwining those both worlds. Where does that come from? Yeah. So I think as a kid, like naturally as a tall person, everybody feels like tall sports, right? 
And I was like, y'all, I'm not going to be a basketball player. It's just not happening. And so as a kid, you're watching other things that's, you know, I, I, I fell in love with America's Next Top Model, right? I was obsessed with Tyra Banks. I watched that show every single week. I was like, I love this. I'm going to be on here one day. And then obviously when I got older, like they stopped the show. Right. But I was like, wow, Tyra, she really played me. So I was like, thanks Tyra. You just took my shot away. Anyway, I really loved, I loved that as a kid. And I thought, okay, like as a, other, as a tall person, like that's something that I could do. Right. So I kind of like wanted to do it as a child, but never really explored it. Never really just like, took after it it kind of was just like a thought in the back of my mind um but why you think it wasn't practical at the time I don't know I I truly don't know I think in Texas it wasn't huge either when I was a kid and then I feel like a lot of people as a model they start from like 12 and up they don't go to college they move to New York they move to LA they move to Europe and they start that right out of high school yeah. or even in high school and I always knew college was something that I wanted to do like my mom didn't go to college and it was very important to her but also important to me like I felt like education was super important and just networking and building those experiences and you know getting out of your comfort zone and you know seeing where life kind of takes you like I never grew up thinking like, I'm going to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I never really had an idea really what I wanted to do, but I knew college was something that I wanted to do. So I knew I wanted to go to college. So I just really kind of didn't really think into it. I kind of was like, if it happens, it happens. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And so I went to college. Um, I was in a fashion program in college. We put on a fashion show every single year and we had like artists and things like we had Ty Dolla Sign come for our performer one of the years that I was there and every year is a theme and you like put together like a, a really huge fashion show and you work with the, des the design kids on campus because we had a design school. And so we partnered with them and we cast it for models on campus. And what were about that kind of clicked and made you think I can actually do this. Like what was that moment to say, I can make this a, a career path. Yeah. Down the line, how it looks like what made you say, okay, that kid that I was that I liked watching America's top model. Now it's all full circle. What made you say, okay, it's practical for yeah, me. Yeah. So it actually during college, it wasn't, I, I still really? no. I just was like walking the part. Like I just was, I love the, I love the club, the organization. I thought it was cool. I love fashion. I loved create. I like creative people. I'm drawn to creative people. Like I have that fine arts background from a kid. So, you know, I was always drawn to that, but in college, I just was kind of like playing the part. I still never really wanted to do it. Right. After I graduated college, I moved back home to Fort Worth. Uh, I was working at J crew as a manager and I was styling people there as well. Um, so I always felt like I was really tapping into that, but then um, I went through this relationship with this guy that draw, uh, that brought me to Dallas and I wanted to move to Dallas. Like, so essentially I was like, okay, I have to get a job out here if I want to move. And I found a job as a store manager at this little boutique, literally right like 10 minutes from my house, which is why I live right here because it was close. My mom, again, found this apartment because it was close to my job. Right. So I remember one Saturday, it was Labor Day weekend and I had a friend visiting me from New York and she was getting on my fucking nerves. Like she was staying at my house and she was just a horrible, you know those people that just come and they're just horrible guests, right? Yeah. I was like, bro, I'm ready for her to go home. So one Saturday morning, I woke up at like seven and she was asleep. I'm tiptoeing because she's getting on my nerves so bad and I need some alone time so I go to the coffee shop right here on the corner by my house and I'm having coffee I call my mom I'm like hey mom just chop chopping it up with her I'm like girl she is getting on my nerves I'm ready for her to go just you know having coffee right. and I'm putting some Splenda in my coffee and this short lady like five two long red hair turns around she taps me and she goes hey I don't want to interrupt you and I'm like hold on mom she goes hey I don't want to interrupt you but um have you ever thought about modeling? And I was like, yeah, no, not really. And she was like, well, I think you're beautiful. I see you all the time. I live in this building. Do you live at Cyprus? I was like, yeah. She was like, I see you all the time working out. I see you walking by. I think you're gorgeous. I actually work for a modeling agency out here. She's like, I promise you I'm not weird. I know people come up to you all the time and say that, but here's my card. She's like, we have open calls on Wednesdays. You should come. I really want to see you. And I'm like, okay. What? Yeah. I'm like, okay. Like, 
And she's like, yeah, I'm for real. I promise I'm not weird. I'm like, all right. And she's like, you have a good day. I'm like, you too. And I'm like, hello. And she's like, my mom's like, who was that? I'm like, some lady talking about she worked for a modeling agency. And my mom's like, oh, really? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, what's the name? I'm going to look it up. And she looks it up and she's like, no, Aaliyah, she's legit. I'm like, oh, she's like, you should go. And I'm like, okay, I don't know. I'm nervous. She, I was like, at the time, a million things go through my mind. I'm like, I'm not skinny enough. I don't know if I want to do this. Like, I don't know. She's like, just go. So I go that following Wednesday. I walk in. She's like, hey. I'm like, hi. She's like, you came. I'm like, Yeah. She's like, okay, we're just going to take some pictures of you, measure you, and chat with the team. It'll take about two weeks as we go through more people. If we want you, we'll give you a call. So I'm going in there with no intentions, right? I'm like, whatever. Like, if it happens, it happens. I'm talking to God. Like, God, if this is for me, it'll be for me. If it's not, it's not. But in the back of my mind, I think that doubt comes from actually this is something that I actually want to do. But I'm downplaying it because I don't want to get my feelings upset. You know, I don't want to get hurt. So literally they take two weeks and a day to get back to me. So after a week goes by, I'm like, yeah, they didn't want me. But I'm like, why would she come up to me if she doesn't, you know, I'm thinking like, why would she even approach me if they didn't want me? Yada, yada, yada. That two weeks and a day, they I get an email and they're like, we want you. We want to sign you. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, wow. And so, like, I think all those emotions come back to like, oh, my gosh, like you've put this off for so long. This is something you've been interested in. And now this fell into your lap, literally. That's crazy. Like, what were those two weeks like? Like, you, even from you, like, she walks up to you and she's like, oh, I I really, like, think you're beautiful. You'd be a great model. You downplaying it in your head. Like, what was that like? Like, why did you kind of have that mindset towards something that you've always, you know, loved and kind of secretly, you know, even if you were to unpack that, that initial like defense mechanism, like, ah, here it go again. I'm, yeah. I'm not trying to get my feelings hurt. I'm yeah. not trying to like, where does that come from? And do you think that in other areas of your life that plays a part in, in who you are now? I think that does hold me from taking risks. I'm not a risk taker. I'm, I always typically play it safe. Like if you talk with me or we're in a situation where there is some thought into things. Like I think things through for the most part, I've never been, you know, you and you have that one friend that you call and they're like, Oh, I just went and got a tattoo. And you're like, of course, you know, like you have those friends that just do irrational things. Like they just do things and that's just them. That's not me. Like I think everything through, like, I don't know why, but I do. And I'm afraid to take risk. And I don't know where that comes from, but I think it also comes from just not wanting to be disappointed, disappointed. And also like, I don't, I'm afraid to make huge mistakes Mistakes Mm. that are going to hugely impact your life that you can't take back. What would be a huge mistake in your estimation? I don't know. I just feel like like for me, it's like I feel like my mom has really been super like impactful in my life to the point where she's almost kind of scared me to mess things up because I feel like my sister, I have an older sister that's just everyone has a black sheep, right? She's just off her rocker. She is. I love her, but she's she did a lot of things that really kind of like made me think twice about every decision that I made because it was always A to Z with her. It was never, all right, do the right thing. It was always, oh, if she was presented with the pres- like a, a decision, she was going to make the, ho- the worst one possible. Yeah. And so I think I'm always just very conscious of like the things that I do and like I don't like to take risks because I'm always also very like I have to take care of me. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but I always feel very responsible for me. So I don't make a lot of irrelevant rational or irresponsible decisions that I feel like I can't get myself out of. Yeah. And I think it plays back to who you are as a person, like you're a caregiver and you care about your mom and your family. It, it goes back to wanting to become this person for your family that, you know, she's proud of. Yeah. And you don't want to let anybody down yeah. and to take that risk and the, the thought of messing up and mm-hmm. falling down. You know, you don't want to put that burden on anybody else. So you take account for it, for everything you do. I think on one hand, that's noble. Right. But on the other hand, it's like. You're already this great, beautiful person, like you're doing everything that you can and, and the things that you want to do, whether it's modeling fashion. But what if you could be so much more if you did take the risk? Like, yeah. Do you ever think about. Even. In your times where you're walking the Katy Trail or you're just thinking to yourself, what can I be if 
I dived into the thing that I'm, you know, subconsciously scared about. Because a lot of us, we have fears that we don't even know our fears because it's subconscious. Yeah. But then when somebody says, oh, you should be a model, you're like, oh, shoot, like, that's it. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. Do you ever think about who you could be if you took those risks? Uh, no, because I feel like every decision that I make or every situation that I've been in has shaped me to who I am now and it continues to shape me to where I go. And I feel like God has a plan for everybody. And I feel like regardless if it's my path in my head, I feel like essentially it's his path and his plan. And so for me, it's like, I I'm comfortable knowing the decisions that I make are the right decisions. Right. I've also seen people make those irrational, risky decisions and seen it fall apart. But, but to stop you there, right. You know, you're fearless, yeah. right. You're so fearless and everybody listening to this knows you're fearless at this point. You know, he doesn't give you fear though. You know, God doesn't give you fear. Yeah. And I think, even putting a pin in that and going back to your modeling career, there's one thing that you said. Now I have a process to where I send out these uh, mind belief forms to have, you know, context to our conversation. Yeah. And there's one thing that you did say in terms of your modeling career. The one thing that you said was you want to be the face that represents a healthy and happy, normal body. Why is that so important to you? Because I feel like also, which initially being presented with modeling, there's this beauty standard that I feel like everybody has in their head and skinny, you know, skinny, skinny, skinny. They beat that in your head. That's what high fashion is. That's what you consistently see. And I feel like obviously now things have changed and things have evolved and you're, you're starting to see different representations of, um, people. But I also just feel like I want to be that person that people look at and be like, wow, like, she looks healthy and she looks, she looks like me. Like we can go to Zara and buy the same clothes and essentially kind of look similar. And it goes back to making other people feel comfortable and happy and inspired and being like, that's achievable. Right. You know, like I feel like to a certain, certain point, like, yes, I am conscious of what I eat and how I work out and things like that, as you should be just to be healthy. But like, for me, it's like, I want to represent for the people that aren't a size zero, that aren't a size two. I want to be able to represent people that are just sitting at that ho- their house that may, that that's okay with having a slice of cake and being okay with it. But then also the next day go to the gym and, you know, but they're doing these things because they're not trying to achieve a certain look, but it's just because it's a certain lifestyle that they're trying to live. Ah, that is everything. The lifestyle that they're trying to live. I think even with modeling, there's a, a lot of misconceptions about, you know, if I see you pose for, let's say, a Calvin Klein and you're wearing, you know, a two piece or one piece or whatever the piece is. I don't know the terminology. Yeah. You think, OK, this is how this person is. But. In their real life, they're Aaliyah yeah. in service. And in one hand, you have this perfect person that thinks that, oh, this is a self-centered person. But on the other hand, you have who you are being a model, having to play those different roles on set. And then you're driving home and oh, I can be myself again. Yeah. What does that feel like? So for me, I try to be myself in all situations because I don't know how to fake it. You know, there are some people that can fake it. They can put on a really good show. And I'm like, damn, like... If they're nervous, you would never know. If they're sad, you would never know. I'm not like that. I am raw. Like if I'm sad, you're going to know I'm sad. If I'm nervous, you're going to know I'm nervous. So for me, I feel like being myself in any situation is is very important. But that also brings me a sense of comfort because like you said, it, it, it shows and other people can feel that. Right. And I feel like when I'm comfortable, I make other people feel comfortable. So I feel like on set, it could be an uncomfortable situation, but everybody doesn't have it. Everybody doesn't have it figured out. Right. So an uncomfortable situation can be like, 
Like when I first started modeling, they like really want you to like show these emotions and these expressions and bring movement and bring body. But it's like, if you've never done that before, you're like, what the fuck does that look like? What are you talking about? Like, huh? What am I supposed to be doing? Right. And so I think one of the most like, I guess, founding moments of me modeling was when I was modeling with this photographer. His name is Evans and he's out here in Texas. He's great. Shout out to Evans. His pictures are great, but he was so unapologetically himself. And he really brought me out of my comfort zone by just allowing me to, he's just like, just be you. And I think sometimes you modeling can seem easy and effortless, but it's not because you're trying to perfect somebody else's vision, but also still trying to trying to do your own thing. Right. So I feel like you become so like stiff when you're, when I first started, I was just sitting there like, what the, my, like I'm looking <laughs> crazy. Like I'm sitting there smiling. Like what do you, you mean? You can't see her, but she just made this face. <laughs> it was so funny. Without the peace sign, like I'm sitting there doing the robot. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Right. And then those moments that, that really portrays on film. Like you're going through these moments and you're like, you look uncomfortable. So I think he was really like, he really pushed me out of my zone by like, he's like, what music do you want to hear? People probably look at me and they think, oh, she won't listen to just, no, I like trap music. Yeah. So I'm like, put on future. Like yeah. I'm in there like in my zone and I'm moving. I have braids at the time. So my hair is moving and I'm just feeling myself. And I felt so comfortable and like going through those images. I'm like, okay, this is showing on film. Like I look happy. I look like I'm vibrant. I look like, I feel like there's movement and there's life to these pictures. And so just going through those first moments of like, okay, you look crazy as hell. Like you look uncomfortable, like move, be yourself. Like that just like, that really comes like out in images. And so I think just being also having a pep talk with myself, like Aaliyah, they chose you to be here. So you obviously can do it, but it's being confident and knowing that you can do it. And having those like conversations with myself is how I work through those uncomfortable moments. I think that even plays on to life. Like whenever you try to play a different role than yourself, you look stupid. It doesn't work. You look weird. Yeah, people but are like, what? All it takes is playing some trap. Yeah. Be yourself uh-huh. and your real life mm-hmm. and your real service and who you are, the light that you bring yeah. shows and shines forth. I think you've exuded that if anything on here this whole time so i'm very appreciative to have you on this podcast the last thing that i do ask all right is overcoming your mind bully that mental battle if we were inside Aaliyah's head mm-hmm. and the mind bully versus Aaliyah, there's like a ring and we're at the boxing ring we're at a boxing match and it's you versus your mind bully in the middle of the ring in the middle of the canvas whenever that voice that negative voice is winning where are you at? Are you on the ropes? Are you in the corner asking, calling for mom for help? Are you down on the canvas? Where are you at? And how do you build up and build yourself back up to the real Aaliyah? So there's there's a combination of things that I do because one thing I'm going to do is throw myself in pity party. Like if I'm sad, I'm going to let myself be sad, right? I think it's important to feel the emotions at that moment because when you try to block it and trying to feel it with like void, like that doesn't help or just doing things or trying to avoid how you're feeling for me. Like I've never been one to really do that. So it's a combination of like letting myself be sad and throwing myself a pity party and really like going through these emotions of being like, I don't know what's next. Like, you know, I go through those moments, but then I'm like, all right, Aaliyah, this is getting you nowhere. Right. So I'm having this conversation with myself. Okay. You let yourself be sad. Now what's next. So for me, after like, I'm in those moments of sadness, how I build myself up is I listen to a lot of podcasts. Like obviously yours has been great, but also just like, inspirational podcasts and just listening to like I love creative spirits I also listen to a lot of like Christian ones um I like Michael Todd's um there's a couple of them that I don't even really 
not even subscribe to, but like I'll literally just go on my phone and type in like how I'm feeling, how to not be sad, <laughs> like yeah. how to be happy. Right. I just type in whatever. And sometimes it's not even like mental health podcast. Sometimes it's just like how to eat healthy. Like I just start to listen to self-help things because I think regardless if it's indirectly related to how I'm feeling Something that's going to help me be a better person, right. something that's going to be productive, something that's going to be informative. Yeah. Like I get myself out of those low places by being like, OK, like what's next? How can you better yourself in this situation? How can this moment in time become a constructive moment in time instead of you being just sitting there sad for no reason? That's I love that podcast is kind of the plug here that she listens to. Give me one more practical step that you do to overcome your mind bully. I would say I talk to my friends and I do, um, but I usually talk to them when I really want to throw myself a, a pity party and they're just like, we're I was going to say fitness. Yeah. Yeah. I work out too, but like, like that doesn't, I think for me, like working out just makes me feel better mentally. Right. But like, if I'm sad, I'm not, you know, some people are like, I'm sad. I'm going for a 10 mile yeah. run. I'm not doing yeah. that. <laughs> I'm not going for no 10 mile run. I'm going to sit in this couch and I'm going to cry and I'm going to watch a movie. And then the next day I'm going to go for a walk, but I'm going to go. I just, I just try to you create a routine yeah. and try to continue to build myself up. But fitness for me, you know, how some people are like, I was at a low point in my life. And then I found, I found the treadmill, you know, <laughs> I'm like, no, yeah. like <laughs> I did. you work out cause you should yeah. like, yeah. it's important, right. you know, for like, and so for me, fitness was never like, I found myself in fitness. No, like I like fitness because people that work out are happy <laughs> yeah. and I like happy people. Yeah. I love energy. Yeah. And so I like, you know, for fit for me, for fitness is just a sense of community. And I love being around that. And I think also being in fitness. Cause I also work in fitness. Like I love those environments because it's again, it's a moment and an opportunity for me to make people feel better about themselves. Yo, you are a one of one and you definitely one always make me feel better about myself. <laughs> You're the energy, the light in the room. And you brought a presence here that I think is one of one and unique to you infectious spirit that you have. So thank you, Aaliyah, for being on the Mind Bully podcast. Thank you for asking me to be on it. I mean, you said you was nervous, but I'm like, oh, did I get a little nervous? No, no. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Mind Bully podcast. If you like what you heard, if you like anything that you got out of this podcast, do me one favor. Leave a rate and review for the podcast. It means the world to us. Till the next one. Peace and love. Hey, Genix, you going off.